You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. I'm terrified right now. I'm totally terrified. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. Well, it is officially game day, finally. Unfortunately for all of us, that's the day we get to cast our fears to the wind, stop analyzing, and just start making fun of stuff. It's one of the perks of being the best team in the NFL is you can kind of just laugh at everybody. There's really never that week where we're going to come up against that opponent and I'm going to sit here with all this bravado, laughing, and everybody listening is just going to go, come on, man. You know we're going to lose. That's just, there's no team. I'm not saying some people are nervous. I'm just saying it's not exactly like I've got a, uh, you know, Giants podcast and I got to sit here and laugh at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and how trash they are. That would be a little bit of a more difficult Task even even the Lions and Cleveland, for example. Not that uh, Cleveland is necessarily doing great right now, but when you're winless, it's hard to be like, dude, we're gonna smash them, bro. Sucks to be you, dude. <laughs> you so trash. And so even though we don't get any more any real respect, one and a half point favorites, and this has been happening every week. Well, it's because we're going to Minnesota. Okay, well we don't really get a, a super great line even at home, but uh, okay. But even so, it just makes it all the more sweet. Because every week, I sit here on Sunday and say we're going to smash them. And every week, Vegas and everybody else says, I don't know, going to be close. Packers aren't actually that good. The other team's pretty good. And I get people that message me like, dude, I don't know, pretty scary. Everybody says they're really good and we're not that good. And then we win and I've got, you know, Double the amount of money this week as I had last week because I put my money where my mouth was and said, nah, we're going to win. In fact, we're going to win with the points because the line you said against Seattle is silly. And so we're cooking now. Cooking with gasoline. And I got to be honest, man, you know, it's, it's, uh, there's never any guarantees in the NFL. I put this caveat in every single time. There's no guarantees. You never know. Any given Sunday, right? I, there's, there's every single week, super crazy stuff happens. The Dolphins beat the Baltimore Ravens 22-10 to last week. Washington beat Tampa 29-19 to just last week. Carolina beat the Cardinals 34-10. to And the 49ers beat the Rams. That's just one week. That's just last week that crazy stuff happened. Last week, or the week before that, the Falcons beat the Saints 27 to 25. The Broncos beat the Cowboys 30 to 6. The freaking Jaguars beat Buffalo 9 to 6. The Giants beat the Raiders. I mean, it's it's dangerously close to 50%. Let's, just, let, let's look at it and say, how many obvious games are there where you can look at that and go, oh, dude, you know who's going to win? Colts, Jets, that went the way you would expect. Um, Saints, Falcons went the way you would not expect. Uh, Cowboys, Broncos would not expect. Uh, let's see, what else is kind of obvious here? Um, Jaguars, Bills went the way you would not expect. It's three to one so far. Let's see, what else? Those two teams are both trash. Giants Raiders did not go the way you would expect. It's four to one. What else was kind of obvious here? I think every other game was pretty much a good game. So of the five games that I would have felt comfortable putting even money on, I would have lost four out of five. The week before that, the Jets beat the Bengals. Saints beat the Buccaneers. That's about it. Only two, only two major upsets in that in that whole week. But so okay. Again, I'm not saying the Packers can't lose because that's ridiculous. Anybody, anybody can lose. Cleveland can lose to uh, Detroit, despite having the largest spread. 
wouldn't actually surprise me all that much, especially with the slide the Browns are going through. And I'm not going to go game through game right now. I'm just saying that there's nothing that can happen this week that would be crazier than anything that's happened so far this season. Pick any game, pick any winner, and it won't be the craziest outcome we've seen. If the Jaguars beat the 49ers this week, it's not even the craziest win the Jaguars have had. Texans over Titans. Unlikely, very unlikely, but it could happen. But we're not talking... So it's one thing to acknowledge that the thing that shouldn't happen can happen. It's another thing to think that the unlikely thing is going to happen. That makes you just wrong. Again, I'll give you the example of blackjack. If you have a 20 showing, you stay. You stay on 20. That is the most obvious thing in the world. It is entirely possible, however, that the next card that would have come up is an ace. Great for the next guy who's got uh, possibly a 10, I guess. But technically speaking, if the dealer gets 21, let's say you are the last guy. You stay on 20. He's got 10. If you hit, you get 21, and he gets whatever the next card is, and it doesn't matter what it is. If you stay, he gets the next card. Which you, you know what I'm, I'm saying? It's, it's You absolutely did the right thing, but technically it was the wrong thing. But it's only wrong after the fact. Saying the Packers are going to win this game is like staying on a 20. Now, you can, you can say after the fact, if the Vikings win, that you were wrong. But at this point in time, having not watched the game yet, saying the Vikings are the better team and are going to beat the Packers is based on no reality. There isn't a universe where you can logically explain how the Vikings should win this game. There isn't. It doesn't exist. You can make cases for how it uh, might happen, why it might happen, some scenarios in which the Packers don't win. There could be some injuries. There could be some uh, just poor play. You know, if Aaron Rodgers has a bad day, if the Vikings have a really good day, you know, the Vikings at their best, the Packers at their worst, yeah. But that's not something you can bet on now because it's just as likely the Vikings show up and have a bad day and the Packers show up and have a good day. It's not rational. It's just a scenario in which it could happen. And so as we come into this game, you have two mediocre offenses. The Vikings rank 14th in points. The Green Bay Packers rank 19th in points. Again, I've been telling you, pretty lackluster. Now, the seven points against Kansas City is obviously uh, part of that. But the fact of the matter is, again, they have not scored more than 24 points since week five. That sucks. They have not scored more than 25 points since week four. That sucks. They have not scored 30 points since week three, and they only did it twice. It was weeks two and three and have not done it since. The offense needs a big game at some point. This is not good enough. This is, it's got to be better. However, 19th is not terrible, and we know we have the pieces to get to those high scores because we have the literal exact same pieces we had last year with one of the best offenses in football. They just got to figure it out. Defensively, the Vikings are 16th, right dead center. The Packers are third. And and, and here's the thing. I know that's going to drive them nuts. I know any Vikings fan listening, well, I shouldn't say that. There are some pretty rational, cool Vikings fans that listen. But the Vikings fans that I'm picturing that spend their time on Twitter and like to get into fights that they know they can't win but try anyways, it's going to infuriate them. Because they've listening, they, they've been listening to Ben Baldwin, some Seahawks fan that doesn't know how numbers work, explain to them that the Packers' defense isn't that good. But here's the thing. Ultimately, when you're dealing in fantasy, the, the problem with dealing in fantasy, which is our society's favorite thing to do, the reason why you're going to end up being unhappy is because fantasy inevitably comes up against reality, and fantasy loses every single time. So Ben Baldwin can create whatever kind of fake graphs that he thinks he can devise. He can twist some um, Football Outsiders article, which explains in detail why the Packers are actually quite good. He can, he can take that and twist that to make it his case that the Packers' defense is not good all he wants. And he can run over to Bears fans, and he can run over to Vikings fans, and maybe any Lions fans that are, care about football at this point, and try to stroke their hair and tell them they're not that good. You don't have to worry, Vikings fan. It's just a giant fluke. The last time a team scored 30 points was week one. Aside from that, only three teams have hit the 20s. But they're not that good. It's really not that good. In fact, only one team has hit the 20s 
um, since week six, and it was 21 points by the Arizona Cardinals, one of the best offenses in football. But they're really, I promise you, they're not that good. The Arizona Cardinals, Kansas City Chiefs, and Seattle Seahawks scored 21, 13, and zero points on the Packers' defense, but they're not that good. And you guys, you guys are going to be able to get it done. You're going to be able to do what the Arizona Cardinals couldn't. You're going to be able to do what Seattle couldn't, like score three points. You're going to be able to outpace the Bengals, who only got to 22 points. You're going to be the ones to do it. And that's what's so painful for everybody at this point that doesn't want to believe it, is that they went up against, for a million reasons, teams that should not have been shut down the way that they were shut down. Again, Arizona, one of the top offenses in football, only scored uh, 21 points. That's it. Washington the week before only scored 10. The Bears the week before only scored 14. But really, the point is, those teams... Everybody can make excuses. Granted, Washington doesn't just score 10 points every week. I mean, they're the 20th ranked team in football. In fact, 10 points is the lowest they scored all year. But but we'll ignore that. We're not even talking about that because we can make excuses, right? We can say, well, yeah, well, Washington is terrible, and that's why that happened. Yeah, well, Chicago's real bad. That's why they only managed to score um, so few points like, uh, you know, the third lowest they scored all year against the Packers. That doesn't matter. It's not because the Packers are good. It's just that the Bears are that bad. Okay, fine. But you can't explain the Arizona Cardinals, can you? You can't explain the Kansas City. Well, Pat Mahomes didn't, uh, you know, didn't play his best. I mean, he played, though, right? You've got three of the best quarterbacks in football, Arizona, Kansas City, and Seattle. Maybe they didn't play their best game. But you've got, in Arizona, one of the best quarterbacks in football, with one of the best wide receivers in football, along with about two or three other top-tier wide receivers, they scored 21 and lost. Kansas City, with Pat Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, completely healthy in this game, 13 points. Russell Wilson, back from injury. DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, zero points. Not even three. So, yeah, you can... Uh, you can say whatever you want, you can believe whatever you want, but the idea that Minnesota is going to prove them wrong, I'm sorry, that's just not how this works. It was supposed to be the Cardinals that were going to prove it because they hadn't done it against any, they, you know, 10 points against Washington, 14 against Chicago, 17 against Pittsburgh, 17 against Detroit. Well, obviously, those teams have bad offenses. That makes sense. Of course, Arizona didn't prove the Packers' defense was overrated. Kansas City didn't prove the Packers' defense was overrated. Seattle certainly didn't prove that the Green Bay Packers' defense was overrated. How in the world does Minnesota prove it? And by the way, two of those three games were on the road. Arizona and Kansas City were on the road. So you can't even play the, well, those were home games. Wait until you go into the Dome. It's not even, it's not even like elements that are a problem. It's not heat. It's not cold. It's a dome. Yeah, well, it's really loud. Um, have you been to Arrowhead? There's just nothing. And again, Minnesota, as I said yesterday, is basically a copy-and-paste replica of the Seattle Seahawks. Terrible offensive line, really good quarterback, two good wide receivers. Dalvin Cook is, is grading out about as average as the Seattle running backs. Tight ends are there, but not a major factor. Defense has one or two decent pieces. That's it. That's the whole story. I got nothing else for you. I don't know what else to tell you. And, and let me ask you this. Since we want to nitpick the Green Bay Packers' success and say, well, you only beat, at least you used to be able to say, you only beat, you know, bad team. Let's talk about the Vikings for a minute here, shall we? You beat the 5-4 and four Chargers, so pretty much a 500 team. They rank 15th on offense, which is average, and 25th on defense. 25th. One of the worst defenses in all of football, you managed to score 27 points and beat them 27 to 20. Is that impressive? Am I supposed to be impressed? Because I'm not impressed. I'm not impressed. How about Baltimore? You scored 31 points, so you, you can at least hang your hat on that, although you did lose the game. Um, Baltimore is a 6-3 team, but they have the 12th overall offense, so they don't even have a top 10 offense, and their defense is 22nd. They have a bad defense. So no, I'm sorry, I'm not super impressed. 
especially considering it was a shootout kind of a game. How about Dallas? This is borderline impressive. Granted, you lost the game, but it's borderline impressive because this is right now ranked the number one offense in football, and they only scored 20 points against you. You know what sucks about that, though? The next week, they scored 16. They also only scored 20 against the Chargers, so they're susceptible to having these really bad days. And then they kind of got back on track with a 43-3 win over Atlanta. And again, I'd be willing to give you half credit if you won the game, but the fact that your offense only mustered 16 points against the Dallas Cowboys is um, not great. You did beat the Carolina Panthers, who are technically 5-5 right now, um, so we could call that impressive. Unfortunately, Carolina Panthers are not a very good football team. If we want to say that they're, they found, they found their rhythm now that Christian McCaffrey is back and they got Cam Newton, that's fine, but they didn't have either of those guys when you played them. And in fact, Philadelphia, the week before, allowed 18 points. The Giants allowed three points. You allowed 28, didn't you? In fact, they have not scored more. You gave up the second most points to the Carolina Panthers since this Arizona Cardinals game when they scored 34 points. So that is the second worst defensive performance against the Carolina Panthers, and you did it when they didn't have any weapons. And yes, you did technically get to 34 points, which is great, but again, you did it in overtime, which means you didn't have 34 points until you went into extra innings. So, sorry, you had 28 points at the end of four quarters. Detroit, you beat 1917. I don't need to elaborate. That's trash. You almost lost to Detroit because your offense only mustered 19 points. That is trash. By the way, 17 points is third most given up to Detroit. Third most. Yes, Green Bay's there too, but I'm just saying, even that isn't impressive. You lost to the Browns 7-14. to No elaboration needed. Seattle, you beat 30-17, to which is relatively impressive. I would say this is your one complete game. Unfortunately, Seattle's 3-6, and six, so it's, it's not that impressive. But the fact that the offense and defense showed up is, is solid, right? 30 points on offense, 17 allowed on defense. It's fine. That's a, that's a solid performance. Well done. Your offense and defense showed up against a 3-6 and six caliber team. Nice. Proud of you. Lost to the Cardinals, lost to the Bengals, etc., etc. You're not a good football team. That's sort of the bottom line here. Allow me to elaborate. You were a bad team last year when you went 7-9 and nine and missed the playoffs. That was, that was a bad football team. You have now lost a bunch of players and are having many others decline. I've already talked about that. Dalvin Cook is having a down year. Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen are both performing at a lesser level, although still talented, a lesser level than the previous year. You don't have Daniil Hunter. I would say you don't really have any corners, but when was the last time you guys had corners that didn't suck? It's been a while, man. So you were bad last year, and I don't think there's really any reason to believe you're going to be better this year, is there? What would be a rational reason to believe that? Clearly, things have fallen apart at a much greater level. When you look at the interactions of your head coach who is completely checked out and just uses his time to trash his own team, um, the only real high-quality player on your team, one of maybe two or three, is so hated that it's, it's, it's hilarious. Number two, arguably the number one quarterback in football right now, and Vikings fans and your head coach can't get rid of him fast enough. By all means, you're not going to draft anybody better than Kirk Cousins is playing right now. And even if you do, you're going to have the same situation as the Bears where maybe he becomes great. Maybe you draft somebody and he's super good. Guess what? Not going to matter because your team sucks. As evidenced by the fact that you have the number one quarterback in football and you can't win football games. What happens if there's a little regression to the mean with Kirk Cousins, which, by the way, is the only reason you're having as much success as you're having? You're four and five, and you don't even deserve to be four and five. I may have said this already, but you scored 30 points almost half the time you've played football games. You lost two of them. You don't deserve the record you have. You don't deserve it. No chance in the world you beat the Cardinals or, or Seattle without Kirk Cousins. But by all means, it, it, at least Bears fans can have some optimism because right now they have a quarterback that's not playing great. But they know if he can play really well, hey, maybe we can get up to nine wins, ten wins. Who knows? Probably not, but maybe. What do you guys have to look for? What is one thing you have to look forward to? See, the Bears have never had good quarterback play. 
And that's the most important position on a football team. So they can at least lie to themselves and say, if we can get a really good quarterback, we can be a really good team. And there is some truth to that. Kansas City is still going to win a bunch of games because they got a quarterback and a wide receiver. Um, so if you can if you can manage a quarterback and a wide receiver and like two good defensive pieces, you'll win some games. You're never going to win a Super Bowl, but you'll you'll have some success. You know, you can you can get real close to the sun and then have one of those push all in years and just see what you can muster, man. In fact, I'm starting to think the Rams are onto something with uh, just giving away all their draft picks. If you're a terrible GM, like the Chiefs are or the Chiefs have, guy can't draft to save his life. Eventually, what happens is all the good players leave. But what does that do? That gives you a ton of cap space. So then you can just go out and buy people, whether you have to trade for them with draft capital and then pay them on top of that, or just go out and get high-priced free agents and then just go all in. That's how you're going to build your team. It's not the most efficient way, but whatever. But again, what do you guys have to look forward to? What are you going to do? The Bears just look at one. If we can hit on that one piece, again, it it might be fake and and in their own heads, but if we can just hit on that one piece, that's all we got to do one time. Give me one time with a good quarterback. What is your thing? You want to replace Kirk Cousins with Justin Fields or any, even Mac Jones? Mac Jones is playing great. He's not playing as good as Kirk Cousins. So what are you going to do? What's the plan? No matter what you do, you go backwards from where you are right now in terms of quarterback play. You have to replace four offensive linemen to have a good offensive line. And I believe two of the offensive linemen you just recently drafted, and I'm assuming are not going to be planning to replace, at least not in the immediate future. But how do you replace that? That's the problem. Again, the Bears need one guy, which isn't really true, but that's, that's the biggest thing. And they got their one guy, and that's why they're doing victory laps in the street, despite still being a bad football team. But delusion has still not completely wore off. When it's not a quarterback, there's so many pieces where you look at and go, what do we do? We need four offensive linemen. We need at least one pass rusher. We've got a bunch of really old defensive tackle. Well, is Dalvin? I don't know. We, we need, let's just say, at least one more quality defensive tackle. Our linebackers are all old. We need new linebackers, although we keep getting rid of the new linebackers to keep the old guys. We need all new corners because not only are they old, they're bad. And our safeties are also getting old. And so although they're talented, they're going to be leaving soon. We have to replace almost the entire team. And Dalvin Cook, by the way, does not have much longer to go in the NFL. This guy is a smaller back who's injury prone, and you guys run him into the dirt. 25, 30 carries in a game? Are you kidding me? And he's, it's not surprising he's having a falling off year. He's probably beat up beyond belief. He isn't going to make it to 30 playing at a high level. No chance. He's 26, and 26 is usually when running backs start to fall off. Not all of them, but a lot of them. And he's having his first bad year. I, again, you're not going to see him playing at 30 at a high level, if he's even in the NFL at 30. What is your long-term plan? What are you going to do to make this a viable football team? Because you know you're not going to win this year. What's the plan for next year? The, the Bears and the Lions, I have a relatively clear path. The, the Lions have a lot of work to do, but they're, they're starting with a full understanding that we have a long way to go. And they're starting to build in the trenches. Next year, I have a feeling they're going to draft Thibodeau. I don't think they're going to draft a quarterback because they've got a guy and they're way too far away to be sticking a quarterback in that mess. That would be a nightmare if they drafted a quarterback. And I don't know if there's anybody really worth drafting that high anyways. I think they're going to take a guy like Thibodeau, a pass rusher, to continue to attack the trenches, to win in the trenches, to be able to block, to be able to attack a quarterback, to be able to stop the run. And we're going to continue to build out and build out and build out. And maybe in 2023, we look for a quarterback. But we got to continue to build in the trenches. That's what the Lions are going to do. And it's a long-term plan. And we'll see how it goes. It's going to require a lot of good drafting, but we'll see how it goes. The Bears have got their quarterback of the future. Maybe he's good, maybe he's not, I don't know. But you continue to build. Number one thing they need to do is fix the offensive line. They've got a running back, they've got some wide receivers, they've got a quarterback, and they still have a couple defensive pieces that are going to be around for at least a couple more years. I don't know what to do with your team. Oh, and by the way, the Bears are going to fire their head coach and GM. At least they need to. That should be the plan. And then you move in that direction. I don't know what to tell the Vikings. I don't know what to do. Everybody wants the quarterback gone, and he's the only thing keeping this afloat. Everybody wants the head coach gone. Do you know how bad this defense is going to get? These players are not that good. You might be mad at him, but the defense is going to take a massive step back if you get rid of him. You've got some players on this team, primarily looking at your linebackers, that are not good football players, but are just a perfect fit for this system. If you get rid of him, you better find his exact replacement to be the defensive coordinator. 
or or see if you can beg him to stay as a defensive coordinator. But that's awkward. How do you fire a guy and then hire him at a lesser position? That's not going to happen. You need a defensive coordinator that's going to keep this exact same defense in place. And then what? What what is what is are you going to get a new offensive? No, you're not. You're running the offense that the Packers and the 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 Rams and the 49ers are are running more or less. It's a successful stuff. So so you're not going to change anything. So what are you going to change? The culture? <laughs> I don't I don't know. Best of luck, whatever your plan is. I don't know. That would be a great question for a a Vikings fan. What is the long-term vision of this team? Because it's not Kirk Cousins. It's not Dalvin Cook. I mean, Daniil Hunter might be the only player on this team you're looking to build around. Really talented, really young. Who else is really talented and really young? You can't even say Dalvin. He's 26. That is, if not over the hill, you're at the top of the hill. You're at the top of the mountain right now with Dalvin. Is only going downhill from here. What, your halfway decent right tackle? I guess. Justin Jefferson, there's another one. That's that's solid. So you got a wide receiver, a pass rusher, and a mm, right tackle. Am I missing somebody? I think I should just remove Brian O'Neill from the list. He has a 69 overall grade. I can't give you credit for that. Maybe Xavier Woods, the safety that you uh, stole from another team, from Dallas or whoever. Maybe Cam Bynum. I don't really know yet. He's only played two games this year, so we'll have to see how that pans out. Certainly not Kendricks, not Sheldon Richardson, not Michael Pierce, not Everson Griffin, not Bashad Breland or Patrick Peterson or Mackenzie Alexander. Christian Derisaw has been a disappointment. Ezra Cleveland's been a disappointment. Garrett Bradbury's been a massive disappointment. I don't know. I guess that's your problem, but this is this is ultimately the biggest thing, though. At the end of the day, today is about winning and losing, right? If the Packers win, yay. If the Packers lose, shoot. But when the dust settles, let's say the Packers lose. Let's just say, what's the, what's the overall situation? Packers will have had a bad day, but are still going to the playoffs, are still one of the top teams in the NFL, are still one of the top teams predicted to win the Super Bowl, still have a ton of youthful talent on this team, and absolute worst-case scenario next year, they're kind of where the Bears are, except they have a really good group of people. They got a really talented GM, really good head coach, really good defensive coordinator, and tons of young talent on this team everywhere. So plug in a good quarterback, we're good to go. Absolute worst-case scenario. Where are the Vikings at? If the Vikings win this game, you may as well call that their Super Bowl. They're not a good team, unlikely to make the playoffs, and what's the long-term future? What do you have? What, what, you have what you've always had. You have a team with no real history, no real appeal. You're not going to have a lot of people that are flocking to the Vikings for any reason whatsoever. You spent a billion dollars or however much on a stadium that everybody just laughs at. You're a cold weather team that doesn't even brave the cold because you don't even want to use that advantage in your favor. We've looked at the numbers. It's not just Green Bay. Chicago has a massive advantage in the cold when they play at home in the cold. They very rarely lose. Same with the Packers. They don't lose very often in the cold. The Vikings just gave away that advantage because they don't feel like being cold, I guess. That's fine. So when a dome team comes up north in January, they're playing basically in their home stadium, a nice warm dome. You're telling me you wouldn't like a team like the Arizona Cardinals to come to your home and have to brave, you know, seven below and a blizzard? Of course you would, but they won't because you're in a dome. At least the Bears have, you know, history on their side. You know, they're a historic franchise. They've been around since the beginning. They've had this long-standing rivalry with the Packers. All Whatever. Vikings have what? They haven't won a Super Bowl. The only thing I can think of in terms of history is like the Purple People Eaters, right? Good defense sometimes. You had Adrian Peterson, which, you know, you want to talk about wasting people's careers. I, I just saw um, uh, Matt Ramage was just talking about that. People talk about wasting Aaron Rodgers' career. You guys have wasted literally everybody who's ever set foot on your field's career. Same with the Lions. You've had some of the greatest players in NFL history grace your field for many, many years and wasted it. Wasted it. You wasted Aaron Rodgers' career. Dude, we won a Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers. What are you talking about? We drafted Rodgers and got a Super Bowl out of it. What did you get out of, out of, uh, out of Adrian Peterson? What did you get out of Randy Moss? What did you get out of Brett Favre or or Dante Culpepper, or uh, what the heck is that guy's name, the older guy, Fran Tarkenton, nothing. 
Chris Carter, again, the, the, that Purple People Eater squad. 2009 with Brett Favre, you had the second best offense in football. For all the people that laughed, oh yeah, Brett Favre, he was over the hill. Second best offense in football, which is the best offense you've had in a very long time. Basically, in since the 2000s, for the last 21 years, the best offense you had is when you stole a Green Bay Packer quarterback who was massively over the hill, and guess what? You didn't do anything with him. 2017, number one defense in points and yards. What'd you do? Nothing. From, uh, let's see, 1998 to 2000, three years in a row, top five offense, including 1998, when you had the number one um, offense and number six defense. What did you do? Lost, lost, and lost. That's what you did. Also had top five offenses in 1995 and 1992. You didn't do anything with that. In fact, somehow you didn't even make the playoffs in 1995. Top five offense in 88 and 86. What'd you do? Nothing. Again, missed the playoffs in 86. Super dominant in the 70s, right? Uh, Let's see. You had uh, 73, 74, 75, and 76. What'd you do? Well, you lost the Super Bowl three times out of four and got knocked out of the playoffs in uh, 75. Top 10 offense all four years, top five one year, top three in 75, the year you didn't even make it to the Super Bowl. Defensively, you were second, third, third, and second. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you do. You're not good enough. Same with 63, 4, 5, and 6. You go with these little four-year spurts. Top 10 offense every single year. Top 5 in 64 and 65. You had a a sixth overall uh, defense in 64. uh, Top 10 defense in 66. What did you do? Nothing. Nothing. Wasted. If you say, well, they were still good. Okay, well, that's what I've been saying about the Packers for years. I bet being a Vikings fan from 1963 to 1976 was some great times, real good times, great offenses, great defenses, one of the best teams in football for over a decade, for 15 years. You saw the, uh, let's see, Super Bowl one, two, three, four different times within a span of 69 to 76, you were in the Super Bowl, you went to the playoffs one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 out of 11 years from 68 to 78. Some good years, man. What'd you get out of it, though? Does anybody know? Does anybody remember? Does anybody care? Is anybody going to give you credit? Did any of these guys get a ring? Any of these players? It just doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. And when you look at those squads and, and how none of that even mattered, compare that to Zimmer. Oh my goodness, it's a joke. It's a joke. You've had, since 2014, Zimmer's been here. He's had a top 10 offense once since he's been here. This great genius defensive mind has had a top 5 offense three times, and he hasn't in the last two years. Last year he was 29th, so far this year 16th. I've spoken my piece. The Packers are a better team. The Packers have basically always been a better team. They're going to continue to be a better team. Usually, when the Packers are a better team, they beat the Vikings. Sometimes they don't beat the Vikings. At the end of the day, it's going to result in the Packers going to the playoffs. And, and the question here, the only question for the 2021 season is, will the Packers win the Super Bowl? It's not a question for the Vikings. It's not a long-term or short-term question. The Vikings just exist. They're extras in the movie. If this 2021 season was the office, the Green Bay Packers would be Jim Halpert. The Vikings would be one of Jim's idiot brothers that kind of ruined the wedding a little bit. But at the end of the day, they still get married and nobody cares. Nobody really remembers them until somebody brings them up and then everyone just kind of goes, oh yeah, yeah, they were annoying. That's it. That's the Vikings. You're not even Dwight. Not even D'Angelo Vickers, man. You're Jim's brother and I don't even remember their names. Pete? No, not Pete. What what, what, would, come on, I can think of one of their names. It was Pete. I looked it up. Pete was one of them. I get credit for that. I was just thinking Pete was the other guy, so that doesn't count. But yeah, it's right. Tom was the other one. Pete and Tom. Got it. Anyways, on that note, why don't we go ahead and take a break. We'll take a look at some of the upcoming games and uh, get out of here. So as always, patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy is the best way for you to support this here podcast. I would greatly appreciate it. Um, for the second time, my attempts to get to 300 have failed. I mean, there's, there's still nine days, but let's be completely honest. They've failed. But if we can get a couple more, that would be fantastic. Patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy. Thank you and have a great break. 
We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. I forgot to mention Patrick Peterson. I knew that was going to happen. Patrick Peterson was activated from IR. He's coming back. Um, I was going to do this whole shtick where I pretend to be scared, but then it was a joke. I'm really just scared that he has a big name kind of thing. But um, in the interest of time, I'm not going to do that. He's he's not good anymore, man. Um, he's He has a 64 overall grade. Last year was a 55. The year before that was a 68. He hasn't been good since 2018 with Arizona, and that was even kind of a blip. Um, he had a his stretch really from 2012 to 2016, had his first down year in 2017, one minor bounce back in 2018, he's been down ever since. So this is not the same Patrick Peterson that we saw in 2012, 2013, 2015, 2016. Um, it's just not. He has had one good game so far this year out of one, two, three, four, five, six. So anyways, starting off with the Detroit Lions-Cleveland Browns game. Again, we're kind of to the point now I don't really care um, if the Lions win or lose. Um, they're obviously horrific. The only reason I guess I would want them to lose is because we got to play them again. And so there's kind of a, uh, although we got to play the Browns. I guess I kind of want the Lions to win then because we know the Lions are bad. So yeah, I guess I'm rooting for the Lions. Who cares? Um, 13 points being given to the Cleveland Browns. Baker Mayfield is coming back this week. Trey Flowers is out. I, Lions did get their first tie in the same division with Pittsburgh. Um, after their bye week, got completely stomped out by Philadelphia. Uh, they lost by eight points against the Rams, 23 points against the Bengals, two points against, it kind of goes every other, doesn't it? Big loss, small loss. Uh, Vikings was two points. Bears was 10 points. Baltimore was two points. Green Bay was 18 points. And San Francisco was, so yeah, it's, it's kind of every other week, big, small, big, small. Last week was a tie, so Philadelphia was big. Pittsburgh was a tie, so this one's big. There you go. I'm not putting money on that little theory, but I would anticipate um, Cleveland absolutely wrecks the Lions. 49ers and Jaguars. 49ers are six and a half point favorites. Um, uh, that shouldn't be too much of a problem, but the 49ers are not that good of a team. Everyone's going to be a little higher on them because they beat the Rams, but that's just because the Rams are overrated. People are maybe going to be too high on Jacksonville because they beat Buffalo like a week or two ago. 
I don't know. I just, I, well, I shouldn't even say I don't trust the San Francisco 49ers enough. Let me look at their, uh, I just wonder if I can trust that the 49ers can at least decimate bad defenses. They only scored 17 against the Cardinals, but that's a good defense. The Colts have nearly a top 10 defense. They scored 18. Arizona, again, we know has a good defense. They scored 10. Plus, that's in the division. Um, and then 17 against the Eagles is kind of rough. But that's 14th in defense. That's not terrible. Scored 41 against the Lions. Uh, 33 against the Bears. 31 against the Rams. I don't know. No, it just seems kind of fluky and inconsistent. And and they're having even kind of an up-down, up-down with their offense. 18-33, 17-31, so this would be a down week. I know that sounds like a weird way to look at it, but it is what it is, man. I'm, I'm riding that out. It's just it's just an every-other-week inconsistent kind of thing. And so I can't trust that they're going to put up big points this week, even against the Jaguars. Um, I By the way, I do think Cleveland's going to win, but I hope they don't. Um, I anticipate the 49ers winning, but I'm not putting them down for six and a half points because their offense is way too volatile. So even if they win, if they only score, let's say, 17 points, which they're kind of doing every other week, they scored in the last five games, 10, 18, 33, 17, and 31. Even if on the high side, they're at 18, the Colts can't score more than 11, or the, the Colts, the Jaguars can't score more than 11. So I guess... I mean, they scored 17 last week. They're kind of hovering in that 10 range before the last two weeks before that. And then they scored 23, 19, 21, 19. I'm not doing it, man. I'm not doing it. In fact, you could almost say if, if 49ers only get 16, 17, 18-ish, um, there's a good chance they lose the game. So I'm not taking it. If anything, if I was forced to take this, I would probably actually take the Jaguars. Not to win, but at six and a half points. But I anticipate the 49ers winning. Uh, with that said, go Jaguars. Colts-Buffalo, I mean, it's pretty obvious I want the Colts to win because I think Buffalo is one of the scariest teams in football. Um, they've got some fluky losses, which is great, but they've got some serious wins. And the thing that scares me the most about Buffalo is when you look at number two offense, number one defense. Number two in terms of points on offense, number five in terms of yards on offense, number one in points and yards on defense. That's the Buffalo Bills. So yeah, I want the Colts to go in and wreck their world. Um, now, again, they're kind of a fluky team. I mean, the fact is, they're only 6-3. and three. You heard the Buffalo Bills guy talk about Josh Allen's not having the greatest year. Um, and you got the win-loss, win-loss thing. They annihilated the Jets last week. They lost to the Jaguars 6-9. to nine. They beat Miami, which is a bad team, 26-11. to 11. They lost to Tennessee. Um, they beat Kansas City, who's not great. They annihilated Houston, who's bad. Uh, they annihilated Washington. That's the, that's the thing. They're annihilating teams. They so they beat Houston forty to nothing. They beat Washington forty three to twenty one. They beat Miami thirty five to zero. They've got two goose eggs this season that they've allowed. Um, they lost to Pittsburgh sixteen twenty three. I think if you expect Buffalo to win, you take the points because they don't. I mean, when they win, I mean they they just annihilate everybody. Um, let's see. They they they're smallest point margin that I can find. That's 22 points. That's 18 points. That is 15 points. So I think 15 points is the smallest amount they've won by. 15 points. And then they lost this one by three, lost this one by three. The only big loss was to Pittsburgh, and that was week one. So if they lose, it's going to be a narrow loss. Um... And the Jaguars thing just seems like such an outlier because the only other game was Tennessee, and that's a pretty good team. I'm feeling fairly confident, but I, seven points is kind of a lot. The Colts are on a pretty big hot streak. They lost their first three. They're now at five and five. Um, they've won, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. So they've won five of their last seven, four of their last five, and they've won the last two in a row. Any big convincing wins? Jaguars, Jets, 49ers, Texans, Dolphins, no. They've beaten only exclusively trash. <laughs> so they have not beaten a... They lost to the Seahawks, Rams, Titans. I'm I'm actually feeling pretty confident that I'm gonna, I might take them with the points. I'm only going to put a couple on it. I think the Bills win by seven. Again, the Colts are exclusively beating bad teams so far. 
um, and I'm including the 49ers, and they've won some big, I mean, they've won big. 27 17, 31 3, 30 to 18, 45 35, 23 17. But they're all bad teams. Although the losses. Not really big losses. I'm kind of just doing that because Buffalo wins big. <sighs> I'll think about it. I'll, I'll think about that one. But I, I do think Buffalo wins, and I, I think I tend to think they're going to win big. As far as rooting interest, again, Colts all day, just because Buffalo's really good, and I don't want teams to be really good. Dolphins, Jets, I mean, who cares, dude? I don't know. Dolphins are 3-7. and seven. They have won their last two in a row, including beating the Baltimore Ravens. So they beat Houston 17-9. They beat Baltimore... 22 to 10. Before that, they lost to Buffalo, which is understandable. They narrowly lost to Arizona. They narrowly lost to the Jaguars. Got blown out by Tampa Bay, by the Colts. Narrowly lost to the Raiders. Got blown out by the Bills. So really good teams blow them out. Um, Seems like decent teams are close. You've got, for example, New England, they won. The Raiders, they lost, but close. Um, Jacksonville is bad. That was so bad. I don't know. Jets at two and seven can't even figure out who their quarterback is. Um, I think they said their shock, the surprise starter is going to be uh, Joe Flacco. Twenty sixth on offense. The problem is Joe Flacco or not, their defense is thirty second in points and yards. The worst defense in football. They've given up forty five, forty five, thirty one, fifty four since their bye week. Thirty one is the best their defense has done. Um. Miami, 28th offense. So this is going to be one of the worst offenses against one of the worst defenses. I'm leaning pretty heavy. Miami getting... I mean, th- the thing is, with points this volatile, it's it's hard to imagine it's a close game, but I guess because they're both bad, maybe. And this is also a pretty... Miami's a bad defense, too. I'm, te- I'm tempted to take Miami with the three and a half. Eh... No rooting interest. I don't care. I'll contemplate Miami, though. Let's see what other options we've got. Washington, Carolina. I think I want Washington to win just because there's this revitalized love of Carolina, especially since Cam is there and everything. Um, And I'll admit they're clearly playing better. Again, I think that's entirely because of McCaffrey, but Cam Newton was uh, three of four for eight yards and a touchdown. So (laughs) the fact that everyone's freaking out about Cam Newton... um, He also had three rushing attempts for 14 yards and a touchdown, but they're back because of Cam Newton, not because, and I said this, I said Cam Newton, so they went three and oh to start the season. Cam Newton went out, they lost, 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 lost. I don't remember when Cam came back, but so, or not Cam, uh, Christian McCaffrey. Cam Newton, three of four for eight yards, ran three attempts, 14 yards, touchdown. Christian McCaffrey rushed 13 times for 95 yards and caught 10 passes on 10, so he's 10 for 10, 66 yards. That's what he did. But it's not McCaffrey. He's not the one. It's not his 150 scrimmage yards that did it. It's not the fact that he's our leading rusher and leading receiver. That has nothing to do with the fact that we're back. That's not why we beat Arizona. It's because Cam's back in his four passing attempts. And what, four rushes? Give me a break. Uh, Washington did just beat Tampa coming off their bye. Maybe that was just kind of a bye fluke. They just went in, had a great game plan, and beat them. (sighs) I want to say Tampa's going to win. I just struggle with it. Carolina's got a much better defense. I don't think Washington's going to be able to do much. And with Christian McCaffrey back, I just think Washington, I just think uh, Carolina, I'm I'm fairly confident in it. And it's only three points. I'm kind of leaning pretty heavily on that one. Um, Again, it's not because I trust Cam as this elite player that's going to ride them to victory, but Christian McCaffrey's back. I want to see what games he's played. The Carolina Panthers are 5 and 5. With Christian McCaffrey, they're 4 and 1. The only loss they had was his first week back against the New England Patriots. And that was his only low game of the season. He had a 58 overall grade, so he didn't play well and they lost. Go figure. They are undefeated when Christian McCaffrey plays well. And, and by the way, um, his receiving grades are through the roof. He has a 93.6 receiving grade. But anyway, this again is just what I'm talking about in terms of if you don't rightly understand things, you're going to make wrong assumptions. Remember how good everybody thought Sam Darnold was to start the season? Everybody talked about how great Sam Darnold was? Why? Because Christian McCaffrey was there to start the season. You dump it off to Christian McCaffrey, he gets 500 yards, and you look like a great quarterback. Christian McCaffrey left, and everyone's like, oh, Sam Darnold is a bad quarterback. 
we need a new quarterback. And then Cam comes in and they win the game. It's like, yeah, it's because of Cam. If you guys don't start understanding how this works, you're going to forever be making predictions that are stupid. The same people probably thought Cam would go to New England and be great because they never realized he wasn't actually that good. And so Christian McCaffrey and Cam Newton are going to play this week. They're probably going to spank the uh, Washington football team. And Cam is going to get, you know, roughly 79% of the praise. Christian McCaffrey will get a solid 10%. And the narrative, just like what happened with Sam Darnold, is going to be that Christian or that uh, Cam is a great quarterback and shame on New England for not recognizing it and blah, 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 which is insane because obviously they have a good quarterback over there. But the point is, the reason why this matters, if, you're, if you actually care about these other games and other teams and stuff, what happens when Christian McCaffrey goes down? If you think this team runs through Cam, you're not worried. If you recognize Cam and this team's success runs through Christian McCaffrey, you're taking your hands off this team and saying, nope, not not touching it. Recognize what this is. Because the media is going to tell you one thing. I, I, I was shocked. The reason I'm, I'm spending so much time, I thought he played like half the game. I thought he played the majority of the game. All I saw was Cam Newton highlights the whole game. I didn't realize that one rushing touchdown I saw was basically the only time he touched the ball all game. It's crazy. So tired of everything getting spun every which way. Like, just, you know, whatever. Can you just tell me what's happening? Like, the real reality so I can figure this stuff out? So tired of having to unlearn everything that I'm being told. (laughs) Because it's all wrong. It's crazy. Anyways, I expect Carolina to win. I'm probably going to put something down on that. We'll see. Bears in Baltimore. It's another tough one, man. Uh, Two biggest questions. What the heck is wrong with Baltimore? And is uh, Justin Fields going to stay up? Because I'll tell you right now, if Justin Fields has another 90 overall performance and Baltimore can't figure it out, Bears are going to win the game. And this is another situation where, you know, there have been occasions where I've told you things that, you know, despite this team being the favorite or that team being the I think this team is actually better and should win the game and they end up winning. It's because most of the time what people are looking at is, well, Baltimore's a good team, Chicago's a bad team. End of conversation. Okay, well, let's dig in a little bit. You guys know I don't like the Bears. You guys know I haven't been a fan of Justin Fields, but let's just face reality. Because unlike most people, I try to set bias aside and just look at what the reality is. And the only question to me is, what is Justin Fields going to do in this game? And it's for that very reason I'm not even touching this game, because Baltimore, again, just, just absolutely laid an egg last week. And Chicago despite being a a bad football team, if they have a quarterback that's playing at a high level and they've got some wide receivers that are good and they got their running back back, and yes, Khalil's done for the year, but they still got a couple defensive pieces that can figure something out. See, that's going to be the tough part, though. Because even even if... See, the the biggest benefit for Chicago is Baltimore doesn't have a good pass rush. So Justin Fields is going to have time to operate in a relatively clean pocket, at least comparatively to what he's dealt with, and he should be able to operate in that. The problem is, how is the Bears' defense going to slow down Lamar in that offense? I think this this might actually be a pretty exciting high-scoring game. I could be wrong, but maybe. <laughs> I'm just I'm just wondering. It could be one of those things where you expect that, and then it's a low-scoring game. But I I just I I'm having a hard time picturing. The starting point is: Can Chicago's defense stop Baltimore's offense? And my answer to that question is no. So then, what happened? So the Bears go into all-out assault mode, and if Baltimore can't get pressure on Chicago, which I don't know that they're going to be able to do, and maybe they will, maybe they'll bring some exotic blitzes, and that's going to mess up this garbage offensive line, and they'll be able to get some pressure, and that'd be great, because obviously I still want Chicago to lose. But if they can't, I think they'll be able to to, to make some noise, and, and this could be end up end up being kind of a high-scoring game. Maybe I'll look at over-under. I never really look at that. It says 44 points. That would be 22 each. I might just go over in this game, as stupid as that sounds. I mean, Baltimore is more than likely going to be scoring well above that. They've, they've scored above 22 points in all but three games. Um, Chicago's defense is 23rd, and that's with Khalil Mack. Um, the problem is, can Chicago get to 22? They've only done that three times. But one of those times was last week they got to 27. And the week before that, they got to 20. So two out of their last, I, I think I'm taking the, I'm, I'm just going to do it. I've never done it before. I don't usually look at that. I just, I'm trying to pick teams and stuff. I think I'm going to take the over. I'm just going to do it. Let's just let it ride. Again, probably a stupid bet taking the over on one of the teams that's one of the lowest in football, but the the Bears offense has been rejuvenated and the Bears defense is getting worse, which means Baltimore is probably going to score. I mean, Baltimore could get to 30 something by themselves. 
Let's do it. Let's 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 do that. As far as I mean, rooting interest is obvious. Um, as far though as the prediction, I'll, I'll probably lean Baltimore just because you can see a clear path. And, and Chicago winning is dependent on two things. Number one, the defense slowing down Baltimore. Number two is Justin Fields having a good game. Those two things both have to happen. And so I think the the baseline is Baltimore wins. There's two big ifs in terms of Chicago winning. Slow down Baltimore and outpace Baltimore. And, and so um, I, I can see that path. I can absolutely see it happening, but it, it comes down to Baltimore can't get pressure. Justin Fields is operating at a high level and um, getting the job done. But I'm, I'm feeling an over in this game, which Bears fans are going to like, especially if they win. I mean, even if it's just a high-scoring game and they lose, they're going to be excited because it means Justin Fields played well. But if it's if it's like a you know thirty to twenty eight or thirty five to twenty eight victory, oh my goodness! Um, Saints Eagles Eagles are weird, man. They 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 win some some games that I feel like they shouldn't, and I, I just have a hard time knowing if they're a really good team or, or I know they're not a good team, but are, are they really bad or what? Are, what are the Eagles? I don't even know. I guess the same is kind of true of the Saints. Eagles are four and six, um, but some of their wins, for example, thirty two to six. Uh, 21-18, 44-6, and 30-13. So every once in a while, their offense and defense are just playing at an unbelievably high level. So they're bad insofar as they're really inconsistent and usually just don't play very well, but they, they're showing glimmers of just an absolutely dominant team. But I guess that's kind of the exact case with New Orleans also. They beat the Packers 38-3. They lose the very next week 7-26. to <laughs> which was one of the most depressing things ever because we're thinking, wow, we are worse than we thought. Then they beat New England 28-13, so that's 15 points. They beat Washington 33-22, that's 11 points. Um, They beat Tampa 36-27, and they've lost their last two in kind of close games. I just think this is a classic, just don't touch it. Just absolutely don't touch it. There's no way. I mean, if you're just looking at averages like a Ben Baldwin would do and just say, well, it's the 11th offense and 14th defense against the um, 13th offense and 7th defense. Well, 7th defense trumps 11th offense. Well, you know, no, dude. Playing against the Eagles is like playing Russian roulette. You're probably safe to say the the Saints are going to win. You're probably safe. (laughs) But it's kind of like Russian roulette with... um, like three chambers, you know, and one bullet, or I guess you could say playing with two bullets or what, however you want to do it. I'm just saying it's a really high risk game. And especially when you see a silly line, like two and a half, like, dude, <laughs> that doesn't mean anything. You're, you're basically just picking a team because there's a good chance whoever wins is going to win by about 15 points. I am slightly surprised Philadelphia's favored, but I guess, I guess I get it because they've been just absolutely stomping people, but they're still just bad, except when they're really, really good. Um, Tennessee and Houston. Tennessee, I still don't fully understand what's going on with them. I thought when they lost their um, running back that they were going to be completely done. That has certainly not been the case. Uh, Tennessee, I think they've been down two weeks. They are kind of, they're very similar to the Packers. They are the AFC version of the Packers. They're eight and two, just like the Packers. Um, their one big loss came week one, 13 to 38. Their one other loss was another fluky kind of thing. They lost to the Jets, just like the Packers lost a fluky game to the Chiefs because we lost our quarterback. Otherwise, they're undefeated. <coughs> they haven't lost since week five. Uh, well, since week four. Uh, they've been undefeated since week five. Um, scoring like 30 points every week, 37, 34, 27, 34, 28, and then 23 this past week, which was their lowest. And maybe, this since they haven't gotten 30 since uh, their running back went out, maybe that's sort of the signs of, that light flickering off. I don't really see any path to them losing to the Texans. Even their defense has been quite good the last four weeks, with the exception of 31 points to the Colts. They still won that game. Uh, Texans have not won since week one. That was their one big fluke. They almost never get to 10 points. <laughs> one, two, three, four, five games so far this season. They have not gotten to 10 points. Um, since week three, they've gotten to 22 once and, well, 22 twice, actually. 22 against New England, 22 against the Rams. So I, I, I don't see any reason to expect an upset, although every time you say that, there's an upset. Um, 10 points, though, I don't know. I just, I don't really want to mess with that too much. I think the bigger, 
again, and I don't usually look at it, the over-under, if Tennessee can't hit 30, and Houston struggled to hit 10, although Tennessee probably will hit 30 because because of who they're playing, um, and if they get to 34, which they haven't gotten above that since week five, so if they get to 34, Texans still got to get 10. And that's if they get to 34, and three out of the last four weeks they haven't hit 30. I'm tempted to take the under again. I just don't see Houston picking up any slack here, especially Tennessee's defense. I'm doing it again. Let's do it again. We're going two wagers. Both of them are unders. And watch, I'm going to get killed this week. I'm, I'm doing very minor, but I, I, I think we'll be fine. Vikings-Packers. I think I'm going to take the Packers in this one. Um, it's one and a half points, so it's basically just who's going to win the game. Um, I, I acknowledge that Minnesota can win the game, but it just it doesn't really... It's, it's only going to happen if, if the Packers come out flat and the Vikings come out hot. And the Packers just have not really been flat very often. And even when they're kind of flat, they come back and they win. So, um, yeah, I'll, I'll take the Packers. I'll bite. I, I, don't, I did it last week, and I was rewarded. I'm not going to bet my entire bankroll on it like I did last week. Um, but, yeah, one and a half points, I'll take that. Why not? If they win by one, I'll be sad, but whatever. Uh, three o'clock game, Cincinnati and Las Vegas. I, I just don't care. I don't, I don't know. Such a hard time starting to, trying to care about these games. Cincinnati, five and four. Uh, Las Vegas, where are you at? Las Vegas, also five and four. Bengals have lost two in a row. Raiders have lost two in a row. <laughs> I tell you what, though, looking at Cincinnati, this is not very impressive. Um, they beat Minnesota in overtime. They uh, lost to the Bears, beat Pittsburgh, who's bad, beat the Jaguars, who's bad, lost to the Packers, beat Detroit, beat the Ravens, um, who are not great, lost to the Jets, lost to the Browns, and that was without Baker, is that right? Raiders lost to the Chiefs, and they got blown out. They also lost to the Giants, though. I don't know, dude. I don't know. I don't know. I don't care. Who cares? Somebody wins, somebody loses, and none of it impacts anybody at all. Do Raiders fans even care at this point? I doubt it. Cardinal Seahawks. Um, surprised to see Seattle as two-point favorites in this. Um, is Arizona still completely injured? Let me check. Out in this game, Jonathan Ward, DeAndre Hopkins is out. Uh, Kyler Murray's questionable. I just feel like... Arizona is a better team, and by feel like, it's not really that debatable. It's just, does DeAndre Hopkins swing it that heavily in favor of the Seahawks? I just, I don't see it. I mean, they got blown out last week, but they didn't have Kyler. I just, I don't know. I think I'm taking the car. I hate to place another bet. I just, I'm not buying it. I just don't like or respect Seattle. Um... And Arizona's defense has been quite, I mean, number four overall offense, number five overall defense. Seattle is number 22 and number nine. DeAndre Hopkins is a factor, but he's he's just a factor. All right, I guess I'm doing it. I'm taking the Cardinals because I just don't understand that line very much. Um, Hopkins makes that big of a difference. And um, where is this being played? This is is in Seattle, so I guess if we're saying the stupid three-point thing, then it's kind of a wash. No, and they just moved it to plus three for Arizona, so I got a I got an extra bonus there. And now you're t- now you got Cowboys Chiefs, and the Chiefs are two and a half point favorites. You, you guys are trying to just train my bankroll here. By the way, rooting interest, obviously, we want. See, I want to lose all my money on that one. Uh, by all, I mean like two dollars. Uh, but yeah, I'm rooting for Seattle. And don't get me wrong, in this game, I'm a hundred percent a Kansas City Chiefs fan. I just don't know how. This Kansas City Chiefs defense, which is terrible, is going to stop the number one offense in football. I don't see it. And I don't know how this limp Kansas City um, offense is going to do much against really anybody, much less a top 10 defense in the Dallas Cowboys. There is some volatility, but there's volatility with both teams. Um, I, I just, I don't understand. I understand. I, yeah, you're at home. I just, I don't care. Taking the Cowboys, man. That's just what we're doing. This is one of those times when you just get killed because you place a ton of bets and none of them hit. I just don't get it, but I will happily lose that because if Kansas City wins, that's fantastic. 
Steelers Chargers. Chargers are five and a half point favorites. I don't have a rooting interest in this game. I don't trust the Chargers to win the game. I just, I don't, I don't, sorry, I don't have any commentary. I just, I cannot care about that game at all. They're both pretty bad teams. Giants, Tampa Bay. Desperately, desperately, desperately want the Giants to win. Um, Tampa Bay is on this really weird slide right now. Um, I know it feels impossible, but again, we've seen crazier stuff. But Tampa Bay has dropped two in a row, um, including losing to the Saints, who is, again, a 500 caliber team. Then having a bye and coming out of your bye losing 19 to 29 against Washington. So if you can lose 19 to 29 to Washington, I think you can lose to the Giants. Unfortunately, this game is at home, so that's pretty unlikely. Um, Giants have won two of their last three against Carolina and the Raiders. They did lose to the Chiefs by three. Um, not a lot of hope here, but um, I think if they can even play it close, that would be fantastic. Just, I don't think I'm going to touch it. I think, similar to what I said about Kansas City in a couple games, I think this is going to be a get-right game. And by get-right game, I mean Tom Brady is furious. I mean, he's like cutting press conferences short. He's the most competitive guy I'm aware of in the NFL, and he's just an absolute force. And I think he's very, very angry, and I think he's going to tee up a really soft target, and I think he's going to crush them. So... um, I don't really want to touch any of this. I think Tampa Bay is going to win, but I'm hoping that they don't. That is a Monday game, obviously, but just saying. Anyways, I got to get going. You folks have yourselves a fantastic Sunday. Enjoy your day. I'll talk to you tomorrow for Victory Monday. Bye-bye.